Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore. Yes, hello and welcome to all our West Australian football fans for this week's edition of Around the Waffle. Well, can you feel the excitement and tension in the air? Round one isn't too far away. Awfully good Friday. It begins three great games on Friday, two on Saturday, and a big, big season ahead. Paul Persick with you here in the Back Chat Studios. It's a great pleasure to have your company, and I feel like I'm in the presence of footy royalty today. And joining me to preview round one is the one and only great skeet Mark Reddings. Mark, how are you? Hello, Paul. Good to be with you. Uh, just I like the music just. Uh, rolling into the uh, podcast here because, of course, Scully and I do one where it's uh, the Southern River Band. Fairly uh, brutal introduction. Yours is more a soothing, uh, comforting feel to it. So, no, nice to be back. Waffle footy. Feels like we've been waiting for a while because it's Easter, uh, three or four rounds already into the AFL season. But, yeah, there's a lot of excitement. Had the Waffle launch yesterday, all the captains getting together, the coaches, and uh, we know there's been some some changes, including, you know, South Fremantle pointedly with two games penalty for their salary cap breaches. The bounce is gone for season 23. Uh, there's a new marketing campaign. So, yeah, the Waffle is back, and hopefully we see a really competitive competition this year. Well, after what we saw last year, very even season, final five not decided until the very last game. If we see the same thing, maybe a little bit more closer, then it goes to show that the waffle, once again, is awfully good. Yeah, totally. And look, I think that's what we want is uh, East Fremantle emerged last year as a, as a premiership threat. We know that West Perth uh, and Claremont are, have been good for a while now. Subiaco, uh, despite having a bit of a blip last year, missing the finals. I think we need Swan Districts, we need Perth and East Perth to hopefully move up the ladder and, and be more competitive because a bit like the AFL, I mean, you're always going to have teams that are struggling, but it'd be nice to see just a bit more of a rotation of, of power clubs in, in the Waffle. And if, if that Swan Districts this year or East Perth, someone to surprise us, that would be fantastic for the comp because you like to go to the footy with a bit of uh, unexpectedly not knowing who's going to, to win each and every week. So that's what I think everyone's aiming for and hoping for. But yeah, we're about to find out tomorrow whether the teams have uh, got themselves in a decent spot for round one. One of the big news stories, we'll go into a little bit more detail, the removal of the bounce, the centre bounce. It's a groundbreaking move for Waffle Footy. What do you make of it all? Because uh, and, 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 there's been a lot of opinion, not just from commentators, players and coaches everywhere around the league. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I understand the traditionalists not happy with what is a very much an iconic part of our game, particularly on grand final day as a, as a point in case, that, that centre bounce at the MCG or Optus Stadium or Subiaco in years gone by. But having spoken to Dean Margetts at the Football Commission and others associated with the bounce, they think that the difficulty in actually getting umpires to, to master the craft, it's, it's not an easy skill to, to master. And they think that, A, if umpires aren't able to execute properly, it affects their decision-making um, subsequently after that. So that's one element. B, female umpires find it really difficult to, to bounce the ball to the, the height required in, in, in the men's game. So we know in the Waffle W there's no no bounce. So I, I think it's I think it's one, albeit, you know, you get to get some opposition, and I get that. But there are other changes to our game have happened pretty regularly over the past 10, 15 years, which I think are more significant. I think... I think once this is bedded in, I don't think anyone will notice, except the AFL, who might then adopt that moving forward. So I don't have a big issue with the bounce being removed for those reasons, but I totally understand people saying, well, it's part of what I've grown up with. It's it's part of our history. But um, as it turns out, officials are very hard to get now and retain on so many levels because of um, whether it's 
abuse from spectators or being, you know, being hammered on social media. So if we can attract more officials who are good decision makers and not necessarily good bouncing bounces of the ball, then I'm happy to, to wear that. But also, it doesn't take away the element of the ruck contest. You know, it's going to be a lot more competitive between both ruckmen and in the Waffle W as well. So the competitiveness is not taken away. It makes it even, doesn't mm. it? Uh, throwing the ball up. Again, we'll find out, I think, uh, tomorrow. There's uh, a league game, East Perth and Swans, which will have four umpires, which is, again, following the, the trend of, of the AFL. Uh, but, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing how it, how it pans out. Oh, seriously, I don't think... Once it's uh, two or three rounds in, I don't think anyone's going to know or going to make a, a noise about it. Yeah, everyone's going to probably get used to it, you know, after those first three or four weeks. Another big uh, uh, news story for the season uh, ahead, Mark. New captains and new coaches. Three new coaches for the season. And a lot of the clubs adapting the co-captains model. West Perth, East Perth, and also Swan Districts as well have, ad- have uh, adapted the co-captains model. But first of all, the three new coaches, Ross McQueen, Andrew Prune, and Peter German. How do you think they'll fare? Yeah, let's start with Jim. I was at the, the Perth season launch last week, the jumper presentation, and uh, Adrian Barrich, the new president. Um, there was talk, Russell Clark just imploring Barra not to talk too much about breaking the premiership drought. So in Barra's speech, six or seven times he mentioned the premiership drought and breaking it. So I'm not sure Germo's overly happy with the president <laughs> coming out and heaping more pressure on him. Look, they're a young side. Germo's got a great record in the waffle with Subiaco, but this is a different beast. This is a club that's had no success and really, um, they they are starting a fair way back. If you take West Coast out of the equation in the last couple of years, they would have won the wooden spoon. So they've, they've had so many bad times. They've got a young list. I think the oldest player is Trent Manzone, who's in his late 20s. Michael Sinclair, the captain there. So um, yeah, I'm a Perth supporter, so I'm hoping they can produce something this season. Um, I'm not holding my breath because what I've seen over so long is... Uh, Disappointment has been too too frequent. With the exception of 2020. Yeah, 2020. Bear in mind, 2020 was also a year where there were seven games or eight games in yeah. COVID year. So they made the finals. And we saw having a team like Perth back in the finals, it, it brought crowds and a real interest to the competition. So love to see them do well, but um, I'm going to reserve, reserve judgment on them. As I will with East Perth, Ross McQueen, a really good underage coach. Mm. And he took over at the back end of last year, as you will recall. Uh, the players like him. I think he's a real good developer of, of, of young men. I think he will do a good job. And I think East Perth have recruited pretty well in the sense the guys like Mitch Kerno they've brought on board. Scotty Jones will be able to help in the ruck to, to really um, give their midfield, which is looking pretty strong. Shoemaker, uh, Brayshaw, Kerno, Kerno, um, uh, Yeah, Mitch Crowden, should Mitch I say. Crowden, yep. Mitch Crowden, yep. Um, those guys will perform the nucleus of East Perth's mid. So I, I think they'll be better, whether they're good enough to play finals. I love Thomas Medhat at, uh, in, in the forward line. So I think they've got a lot of tools. So he's a good young coach, a coach of young players. I think he'll be terrific. It'll be good for the development of those young players to really excel at East Perth, especially when you consider that their game plan over the last couple of years under Jeremy Barnard wasn't pretty exciting. There was not a lot of flair about that East Perth side. But under Ross McQueen, it could reinvigorate them. Yeah, and obviously getting good players into the mix helps that. And look, Andrew Prune, uh, don't know much about him personally, but have been told reliably he's been a really good um, uh, assistant coach and a guy who's who's been really valuable and has earned a lot of respect um, at Swan District. So what he can do is obviously hopefully keep that Swan District's um, development going. Um, pre uh, Elimination final last year, from memory? Against- 2021. 2021 was it against, against West Perth against, well against Peel Thunder uh, unless I'm being mistaken they made the finals 
in 2022, is that right? No, they missed the five. Missed they the missed, five. They, they got beat by Peel Thunder. They got thrashed in that last game. That's it. The last game of the, the, the home and away season to, to, to play in the finals. That's right. By 100 points. It was it was tough. So they're coming off a, um, a season where they probably, they're always tough to beat at home. And they've got Chris Jones, who was a was an offender. I think he kicked 29 goals last year as, as their leading goal kicker. So uh, they've changed their side up. You know what? Missing... You know, hopefully they'll get their mids back in action uh, and, you know, guys like Fisher, um, instrumental, have they got the depth? Not sure, but East Perth, Swans and Perth, don't expect them to play finals, but I'd love to see them improve. Yeah, big improvement's always going to be the target for both the, for all those sides under new coaches because you've got a new structure, new game plan in the gelling process. It does take a little bit of time. And before we get to the five games that we're going to preview for round one, there was a bit of drama, late drama for two clubs, Subiaco and South Fremantle, according to reports over the last 24 hours. Kyron Hayden damaged his ACL and he's out for the, for the season. And at South Fremantle, not only Matthew Parker has left, but their halfback, Blake Schlensog, has left. Yeah, Schlensog, I think, going to live uh, regionally, which is, uh, I think, just a choice. Maybe a little deflated that he didn't get to, to live out his AFL dream because he was spoken about highly over the past couple of years. Manny Park is an interesting call, given he, he came back from the AFL system and maybe just either hasn't adjusted to, to playing back in the waffle. So I'm not sure about those two. But they're, they're massive blows for, for off the back of the likes of Hayden Sloith. Um, I mean, Brock Higgins is back at the club, but how much footy he's going to play. Jackson Broadband, obviously, is the guy that you think would play uh, a major role on the ruck this year for South. So, uh, yeah, that's oh, Todd Curley with a, a real headache or two. Uh, and, of course, not to mention starting minus eight. Uh, they're going to have to get their wheels together pretty quickly. And Fortunately, they've got West Coast this week. Um, I think they can probably get some early momentum, but with a, a vastly different side to what we've been used to in, in recent years. And a lot of off-field headaches as well, so uh, there'll be a lot of things going on over there at South Fremantle. This is Around the Waffle here on uh, Back Chat. This is our Round 1 preview. Paul Persick and Mark Reddings. All right, Skeet, let's go to the five games, starting off with the game that's going to be on 7 at 1.40 on Friday, and you'll be at this one, the grand final rematch. You said last year when we were speaking on radio that there was a little bit of nice juicy promotion with Darren Harris returning mm. against his old mob. I think that may have doubled now. This is a grand final rematch. Yeah, well, didn't Harrow let uh, those from the other side <laughs> of the uh, the border know about the victory at Leaderville over last year. So, yeah, that's uh, it adds a bit, doesn't it? And I like the grand final rematch for round one. Just gives it a spice. West Perth will unfurl their flag. And, um, you know, they've, they've recruited pretty well, I would have thought. Um, I mean, Zach Langdon comes into the mix. They've got uh, the, the forward line, I think, still to kick a score. Their mids are, are good. Look, you know, if you were going to ask one question long-term about West Perth, having seen what's happened to Geelong in the AFL, roughly similar you know, time frames, and they, they broke a premiership drought of about a, a decade and so to West Perth, is how difficult is it to, to get that appetite, get the, the, the mojo all in sync and, and get yourself rolling in, in a new season. So it'd be fascinating to see Claremont, I think, beat them in round one last year yeah, from memory. In fact, they beat them twice, I think, Both during times. my season. So, Both times. Um, that, that, I'm sure, will be in the back of their mind. They very rarely get beaten at June Love, though. Pentanet Stadium has been such a, a fortress for them. So um, if you're asking for my selection, um, I will be picking West Perth, but Claremont 
this is this is well within their reach. Yeah, it certainly is with the side that they've got uh, on the teams here. And one of the matchups that I reckon is going to be huge on Friday is going to be Pegararo and Max Manier on that half forward line for Claremont. Manier's starting to develop in a good as as a good mature forward. Pegararo, one of the most established uh, defenders in West Perth's in West Perth's best twenty two. That matchup, I reckon, will be the difference on Friday. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? When you think of that, and um, I mean, obviously Tyler Cotell is always a danger at the other end of the ground, and Claremont have got the the ability with you know interesting to see what they do with Bailey Rogers, for instance, this year because um, do they they use him primarily as a midfielder? Do they work him off half back. Uh, Joe Bolton played a bit more footy um, in the back half um, of twenty twenty two. So yeah, Ash Prescott will he change things up? Will he will he look back at the tape from? 2022 the grand final and see what what happened there or is it um significant enough changes to, to wipe the slate and, and just concentrate on the group he's got. Well, especially this will be the second time they've had a grand final rematch. Back in 1994, uh, Tigers got up by nine points. Expect this one also to be a thriller as well. I'll hold off on my tip until a little bit later. Uh, the second game on Awfully Good Friday at Leadable, it's the Battle of the New Coaches at 210, East Perth and Swan Districts. Yeah, so off the back of that... Uh, the Royals, I've talked about some of their recruits. I think they're, they're going to be an improved side. Um, they've lost their last six games, their longest losing streak since a 13-game streak in 205-206. So in the corresponding game last year, the Royals broke a six-game losing streak in round one. They defeated Swans by four points. So uh, that's going to be interesting to see whether they can replicate that. Isn't it funny that the work that's put into round one for both clubs and in every round one and your expectations, your hopes, and um, two hours of footy later, you're either feeling as if you're on track or, hang on, what's gone wrong? So both these, I think, should be a pretty even game. I don't see a lot separating them. And, and personally, I think, uh, you know, East Perth, you know, their midfield is going to be going to be very challenging for Swans to match. I reckon the Swans' back line can counter that. I mean, you've got the likes of Stevens, uh, Erlers, Jones, who's going to be starting on half-back, and Brandon Ersig, late in the season, he really turned into a prime intercept marker. I did his game last uh, in that uh, Round 19 game against West Perth. In the wet at Steel Blue Oval, huge difference, about four or five intercept marks late in the last quarter when West Perth was starting to get back into the contest. So he'd be the one to stop. Yeah, Ersig, I remember calling some of his games as well, and he's... His mark, you know, from memory, might have been 18, 19 marks. He was um, un- unstoppable. Uh, co-captain, as you say. Uh, Chris Jones, as mentioned, had gone forward to, to give them a bit of bite. That's where they're probably lacking. Um, I know they've had some some players, Noble and, and the like, sort of push through there in recent years. But, uh, you know, Swans, Swans have certainly got a, a case in their back line is their strength, I would have thought. And the question is, can they... Can they you know, produce a score against East Perth at, uh, you know, a team which is still very much um, being moulded together by Ross McQueen. Yeah, it's still a long-term picture for East Perth. They'll give uh, a good account of themselves in round one, but uh, Swans will be the difference with their back line, but uh, we'll wait and see come Friday. It's going to be a ripper game. Then the third game on Friday, this is the later game. I'm going to be at this one. Should be a cracker, 4-10 at Lane Group Stadium in Mandra. Peel Thunder and East Fremantle. They made the five last year. This could be a finals-quality game. I know it's round one, but uh, this could be a finals-quality game between both teams. Yeah, this is the third season in a row. They've started their uh, campaigns at Rushton right. Park or That's the right. Lane Group Stadium. And it's a bit of a tradition on Good Friday that they've built, which is nice. And, and given Mandra on uh, the Easter break, there'll be, I imagine, a lot of people on holiday. So oh, hopefully yeah. hopefully some numbers get there. They've split the points in recent times uh, in round 20, round one and round uh, one last year and the year before. Uh, Peel and East Romantle both recording victories. Yeah, East Romantle had a chat to Matthew Jupp yesterday at the season launch. He's uh, nursing a bit of a, a cork to his hamstring, a bit of friendly fire 
from a, a practice match. Uh, and Peel Thunder, well, we know that their their stocks, their talent, their list will be reliant a bit on what's happening with Fremantle. At the moment, I would suggest Peel Thunder are in reasonably healthy shape. Yeah. Um, so off the back of that, I, yeah, it's it's looming as one of those those early season games that uh, at home Peel would fancy their chances. I have to say, but East Fremantle, they've got a couple of good players back. They'll have Dylan O'Reilly starting at full forward. He missed a lot of the season in league. Hugh Dixon is coming back mm. from West Coast. That's a huge boost. And they've got Harrison Marsh as well. But the negative on that side is Jonathan Marsh, the uh, electric forward. He's been suspended for two weeks for an indiscretion in the preseason. Yeah, well, he's he got one for the... Prelim final last right. year, and then gets one for what happened in the preseason. So not sure how much Johnny got suspended or why he gets suspended in a preseason game. But anyway, yeah. instead of missing one match, he misses two. I had him down and still do for the Bernie Nailer Medal, which means a bit like South Fremantle, he's going to have to give others a head start. But I love him and their forward line of East Fremantle. Uh, now you say it in, in those those tones with O'Reilly and, and Dixon, um, they're they're going to be. Awfully tough to stop, particularly when Marsh comes back in. So, well, their brand uh, in football in general was electric last year. They were mm. more attacking than what they were in the past few years, especially with Billy Monaghan's attention to detail and studying the opposition is just immense. Yeah, and uh, kudos to, to Bill, who's just signed a new deal with East Fremantle for a couple more seasons. So uh, it's great. Look, as I said, it is great to see East Fremantle. They've been in the doldrums for a long time, and they, they reached a premium final last year. I guess the only question mark against them is... Um, can they take the next step? Can they just not you know, bathe in the, the glory of making finals last year? Or can they advance to a, a grand final, which is the natural progression? I think the, the obvious um, aim for them first so is to, OK, let's get back to the finals and then work from there. So uh, East Fremantle, I'd love to see them do well this year. Yeah, same. They can take the next step with the side that they have got. Now, South Fremantle, on the Saturday, they face the West Coast Eagles. And like you said, Mark, early momentum is so important for South Fremantle, especially now that they're going to start on negative eight. Yeah, and I spoke to Rob Wiley yesterday, the coach of the Eagles, who I think about two weeks ago was uh, on pretty good terms with himself. The Eagles had some some um, players that were right to go and they weren't obviously being affected by injuries given the AFL uh, set up with West Coast, but that's all, all changed in a heartbeat. And, and who knows how many players, at least we think six, seven players, are going to be unavailable to, to play against um, South this week. So, yeah, really difficult for, for them. There's a slight chance that Elliot Yo might come back and play uh, his first game in the waffle as opposed to straight back in with West Coast um, with that calf. So don't discount that, but... Um, yeah, now South Fremantle, uh, despite their pre-season woes on the salary cap front and the loss of those players, I still think they'll be able to get away to a winning start. And, and maybe they'll have that the chip on the shoulder type thing for, for a, a chunk of this year with uh, the Worlds against us and... and Maybe that might be a bit of a motivation for Todd Curley and the team. The us-against-them mentality uh, for Todd Curley's boys, but they still have their avenues to go. I mean, Brandon Donaldson and Jimmy Miller, they can form a potent combo up forward. Yeah, you're right. And Jimmy's Jimmy's showing that in the grand final. He can do it. Um, we, know that, uh, we know that they've still got quality there, but, uh, you know, they have lost. They've lost players. There's no question about that. Dylan Main is going to have to lead as he never has before. And the question is, does he? what role does he play this year? Is he more of a, a forward? Does he... Um, I mean, he's probably at the back end of his career as well. So, there, there's a couple of questions for South to answer. And as I say, depending on, on selection, whether Jackson Broadbent plays first up. Only a kid, though. Still young. I, I reckon he should play. Yeah, I mean, there's, they got him to the club because of that reason. And mm. I think Brock Higgins essentially will be there, you know, in, in the case of emergency break glass. I mean, he, he's the, the guy that's come back out of retirement. So, I think if, if Higgins plays sixth, eighth, 
10 games maximum. I think that's the development that helped Broadbent, who's still a kid, but was really good in the grand final of appeal last year in the Colts. Mm. Um, best on in, in some people's eyes, uh, gets gets more opportunity. Plenty of storylines surrounding that game between South and West Coast. And then the final game of the round, under lights at Lath Lane. It's a case of the German factor because Peter <laughs> German is coaching against his old mob, Subiaco, the Demons and the Lions. This one should be very interesting. Yeah, the Peter German Cup, as it's been uh, coined by some. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Subiaco, uh, look, irrespective of what they did last year, what we do know, they've won their last 12 games against Perth. The last time the Demons defeated the Lions was in 2016. Um, average winning margin during that uh, winning run for Subiaco is 53 points. So they just have Perth's number. I remember doing a game on a Thursday night a couple of years ago. Oh. And uh, it was the a night of the first night of the Ashes in England. It was a Thursday and, night game. Yeah. And um, and Xavier and Ellis and I were there. We love our cricket. So we were watching the cricket. And every time we looked up, a goal was being kicked by Subi as we were commentating. Um, I think Perth kicked. Might have kicked one goal for the night. It came late. They kicked maybe two or three, but it might have been Sam Stubbs or someone kicked one late. But, yeah, they've had a horrible time against Subiaco. And, yeah, I, I Subiaco, despite, you know, the, the fact that they have, you know, their, their stocks have dwindled a fraction in recent times, I still think they're going to be mighty competitive. Well, they've got the experience of Lee Kitchen still there. He had a great year last year. State captain, Simpson medal in the state game. And they've also got a returning Zach Clark. Yeah, that's bigger than Zach. Zach's been playing Victoria, correct? Yep, Victoria also was listed with uh, Essendon. Yeah, so yeah, he's he at, at waffle level. He certainly is a, is a huge pickup for them, and that's that's the beauty of um, of Subi. They are able to to bring back you know a Zach Clark into the mix, and uh, hopefully he can he can provide for them. And you're right, Lee Kitchen, um, you know, Lock and Delahunty moves out and. Uh, he, his absence will be noted. Again, for those premiership players, those that were there, what, in 2021, uh, is there enough fire in the belly? Is there enough appetite to go back and, and have uh, a second serving or third serving in some players' cases? What about their defence? Because I still think there is a big hole that Subiaco needs to fill in their back line because Jordan Lockyer, he's not going to come back until early in the season. Injured his knee in round six at the Wacker last year and I saw him as one of Subiaco's best defenders. He could have been huge for Subiaco in hindsight if he hadn't injured his knee to get the Lions to make the final. So that's still a big hole that needs to be filled for, for Subiaco. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, I guess the luxury they have against Perth is that Perth doesn't really have a, at this point, a, a key forward that you know inspires or, or puts any fear into the opposition. Fraser McGuinness, of course, has, has moved on. So that they're probably not going to trouble them on that front. I mean, I'll be fascinated to see where the Sydney Stack plays um, on Saturday night uh, because he's still got some real quality about him and uh, whether he can bob up. But I think their small forward, Sam Stubbs, whether they can create the scores for Perth um, remains to be seen. Oscar Bird probably is a guy that could be used in that area. But yeah, Perth's goal-kicking... Uh, prowess, even in the preseason, has been a little bit questionable. So, what about Harry Quartermain? He kicked uh, four goals in a quarter against West Perth midway through the season, and he can be one that could b- uh, boost Perth up. Yeah, good shout, really good shout, because he played for Colts. I did a lot of his Colts games, and he's a hulking young player, has played some league footy. Is he ready to, to be the, the gun forward? Um, well, I think he's on the right path, uh, but I still think... Uh, if he can, you know, contribute a couple of goals against Subian and get those small forwards rolling, then, you know, they have a chance. At the other end of the ground, Ben Sokol. We know yeah. what he does. Uh, Bernie Nala medalist. You know, you just about ink him in for 
30 to 45 goals every year. He's that sort of player. So um, Subiak, I know what they've got as their prime target. Harry Quartermain, young player, but a lot to like. As long as he gets that support around him, uh, Perth... Um, yeah, may well be in this game for a fair while. It's got to find a consistent formula. It'll take some time under Peter German, who, like you said, is looking at the long term, not expected to make the five right away. No, and he's brought in a couple of players from uh, from the east, I think Corowa from uh, the east coast. So uh, there's a lot of unknowns with Perth. And Trent Manzoni from West Perth. So they've got a little bit of premiership experience there. Yeah, and he's, as I said, close to their oldest player on the list, but he was also, from memory that night, was named as part of their leadership group, which shows you that he's made an immediate impact. He certainly has. Uh, what long-term impact will there be? Well, we'll have to wait and see come Saturday night. This is Around the Waffle on Backchat. Paul Perskin, Mark Reddings, previewing the opening round of the season. Okay, Skeet, let's get to the tips. The first lot of tips for round one. You'll deliver your tip first, and then I'll deliver mine. First of all, West Perth and Claremont. Yes, well, I gave you a bit of a tease at the start, uh, Paul, not knowing how this show should run, but I will get better as, as the months <laughs> and weeks uh, progress. Uh, Joondla. The Joondla factor for me is what gives the Falcons the edge, the premiership flag being unfurled. Um, you know, where Claremont absolutely would go in there thinking they can win this game. Um, but oh, yeah, even though they beat them up there, I think, round one, as I said round last one. year, oh, I'm going to stick with West Perth to, to get across the line. And I think their forward line can still be good enough. And I mentioned Zach Langner, but they've got, uh, you know, Keegan Knott and Kai Tell and, and, and all the above. And I know Keegan, I think, spoke yeah. with you recently. Uh, that forward line still is, is good enough for me. And their mids will do what they do. Mark Hutchings, I'm really interested to see if, if Hutch is, is in the side mm. for the weekend because he missed uh, so much for He missed the grand final. So um, he, he'll have a bit of fire in the, in the belly as well. Certainly will. And also they're tackling. I mean, they out-tackled Claremont by 30 or tackles in that grand final. That could be the difference again. And that's why I'm going to say West Perth as well. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be expecting the, the ferocity of tackling. If they can uh, replicate what they did in the grand final, they'll be winning. Yeah. But that was that was off the charts. I thought that was oh, yeah. apart from you know apart from some other factors that were instrumental. I thought their tackling you're right was was massive in their grand final win. Now the second game on awfully Good Friday, East Perth and Swan Districts. Yeah, this is actually a really tough game. I know. Yeah, I'm going to tip East Perth here. I'm going to show a bit of faith in in what they're doing and and particularly their midfield. So I think their midfield is their strength. I think that's where they can get some drive. Um, as I mentioned, Tom Medhat in the forward line can can provide. Um, yeah, I, I just think it'll be a really tight game. But East Perth, for me, you're probably going to go against your thoughts here, given your, your admiration of the Swans' defence. But I, I think Ross McQueen can get a first-up win. I'll say Andrew Prune will get a first-up win on Friday as well because I said it bluntly on the first episode last week, Swans had a side on paper that should have made the five. If not for that last game, they can prove exactly why on Friday against East Perth. Fair enough. Mind you, you've got Claremont missing the five, which uh, I'm going to hold you. If they win their first <laughs> six games, you will not hear the end of it from me. Oh, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Third game on Friday, it is Peel against East Fremantle. Boy, oh boy. These games, and because we've got no really exposed form, only a couple of practice matches, uh, tough. Peel at home with, as I said, with very few injuries for Fremantle. Um, we know Heath Chapman's missing this week with a calf, but they, they, they're in pretty good shape. I... I think despite my what I like about East Fremantle with their forward line, you mentioned their recruits, and no John O'Marsh, Peel Thunder, I, I just feel might might be able to get across the line on Good Friday. I'll say the other way. I'm going to say East Fremantle, but only just. Should be a ripper game on Good Friday under lights. Now, South Fremantle and West Coast. I think this is the only easy game uh, for this round, you'd think. Yeah, you'd think so, on paper. Uh, West Coast are going to be decimated by what's happening at the, the next level. And South Fremantle, I think that... You know, 
irrespective of, of how, how this match plays out, how South Fremantle looks because they they started last year, but didn't they? They didn't play great footy at times and they, they never quite looked like the team that, that won the premiership you know, in 2020. And keep in mind, West Coast did beat South back in round 10 under lights and that's what may have cost them the double chance. Yeah, absolutely. A totally good call. Um, West Coast have lost their last eight games, 21 of their last 22 games. So oh. on that basis, I mean, you just have to look at numbers and suggest South Fremantle wins, but it's how they go about it, I think, which will be of most interest. Yeah, South Fremantle for me by about 10 goals, I reckon. If they go about it in a very aggressive way and keep the Eagles down, that could be a real good sign for South Fremantle. And then the Peter German Cup, as it's been dubbed, Perth and Subiaco underlights at Lathlane. Heart says one thing, the head says another. And uh, I've found out that it's always best to go with your head in, uh, in footy <laughs> tipping. And on this basis, despite uh, the fact I'll be keeping a close eye on the game and hoping that uh, the Demons can get away to a winning start, the record, the talent that Subiaco possesses means that they'll be winning the first game of the season, in my mind. I'm saying Perth. On what reason? What basis? Well, Subiaco, you know, they may be caught out by some of the unknowns that Perth may have in their side, and they may not exactly work out how Perth are going to operate in, with their best 22 this season. And even though it's under lights, and like you said, even though Subiaco absolutely mauled the Demons on that Thursday night, this is a completely different game. And the Peter German factor, I think it's going to be Perth as a result. You know what, Paul? I hope you are 100% correct because there'd be nothing more joyous for me than waking up on a Sunday and uh, the Demons getting off to a winning start. I think the Waffle wants it. They want, uh, as I said, they want those clubs that haven't had much success in recent times to, to get moving and, and put some pressure and make this one of the most even competitions, as it was last year, make it an even season and go to the footy not knowing which team's going to win. Oh, it's going to be a hell of a round. I can't wait. Friday and Saturday, Mark, thank you so much for your time on today's episode. It's a privilege having you on here. All the very best for Friday. You're calling the uh, grand final rematch. Should be a beauty. Yeah, mate, and uh, you too as well. I'm sure you'll enjoy calling footy over the Easter break and uh, great to have the waffle getting the coverage that you're giving it uh, through the Backchat Studios and I'm sure lots of local footy fans will uh, soak it all up throughout the season. Get down to the waffle as uh, quickly as you can. You don't want to miss any of the action, ladies and gentlemen. You can also follow Around the Waffle on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. And you can watch our video podcasts on YouTube, and it's available on your podcast service, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. Thanks, Mark. Always a pleasure having you on here. And don't forget, Tuesday, we're going to review all the five matches in Round 1, plus all the news from around the grounds all, all across the opening round of the 2023 WAFL season. Thank you so much for your company. We look forward to your listenership and your viewership next time on Around the Waffle. Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.